Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Um, hey, listen, I don't have a bunch of speeches or anything really profound to say to start the show today. I actually want to just move right to my guest today, and I'll explain to you why we're kind of moving straight to my friend Hunter Dawkins, who's the publisher and owner of the Gazebo Gazette in Pascrishan. But without any further ado, let me just say good morning to you, Hunter. How are you doing? Ricky, it's always good to talk to you. You're, you're a great man. You've done a, a great career job and, and things that you've done for this community. And I'm certainly happy to be able just to share and talk with you about tons of different things that you got going on. Well, listen, uh, I admire you for a lot of reasons, and you've been on the show several times. Your work at the Gazebo Gazette has been terrific. Uh, you know, I've, I've said often on the show the way – the way to really make an impact on the community is through local news by empowering people with news and information that they can use to be part of the democratic process and decide how they choose to uh, to vote or act on local issues. And that's what that's what uh, that's what keeping the democracy viable is all about. And you're you're really you know obviously at the nucleus of that. In uh, in Pastor Shannon, we appreciate you being there. We've had you and I've had great visits before, where we talked about your commitment and where it came from, and your great education and all of that. But when I learned recently that you have this incredible background around sports, which what's interesting interesting to me, Hunter, is that in our past conversations, we really talked more about what I just talked about, which is the, the role of local news, et cetera. Sure. But when I learned that you were one of the few, if you know, one or two who actually are covering the Saints um, uh, from the local community, actually going to Saints games and paying attention to what the Saints are doing. I found that fascinating to me. And then, of course, you and I, we, we had more conversations around it. And then I learned of your incredible background in sports, which I didn't have any idea. I mean, you've, you've kind of done it all. I wanted to tell that story today. And uh, because I think it's a whole other dimension of of you, and then and then actually we'll shift gears a little bit and talk more about this unusual season that we're into with the Saints right now. Um, I happen to believe they'd be having a pretty good season if it weren't for all the injuries. I mean, it's just been they've been decimated with really key positions. Uh, we had the opportunity every Friday to visit with Jeff Duncan, the columnist and reporter for NOLA.com and the times and He and I worked together when I was over there, and he's on every Friday, and we talk about what's going on with the Saints. And we'll start to have you on more often because people are really following the Saints and really want to know what's going on with them, and we'll have you on a little bit more periodically than, we, than we've done in the past. But I appreciate you you're willing to join me. We're going to spend the whole show together. Before we talk about your background in sports and what you're learning about covering the Saints these days, let's uh, let's kind of cover the non-sports stuff for just a second. Sure. And let me ask you just how, in general, things going at the Gazebo Gazette these days. It's going actually very, very swell, Ricky. I appreciate you asking. And once again, I 
can't speak highly enough of you and everything that you've done for the coast and the legacy that you're that you're leaving out with the different media uh, intellect that you've got going through. Um, but as well uh, with my community in Pascrishan, in Gulfport, in Long Beach, everything is kind of you know coincidentally coincidentally gaining uh, gaining traction before the holidays. You know, everybody's up for. What's going to happen? You know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's it's that time of season. Everything's generally getting together. A lot of the local communities, since the budgets have gone through, they're just kind of slowing down. But they're trying to go over some projects and things as such. But it's uh, it's generally a pretty stable environment right now. So. That that's awesome. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm thankful we didn't get hit by a storm or even scraped by a storm well, this year you know what God i'm saying we still we're still in season right? i know i know and, and as we and, learned from and hurricane so zeta, zeta hit us, yeah you know. as we learned well from hurricane zeta something can hit us at the end of october or even beyond but you know for the most part we've been very lucky and uh you know at one point hurricane ian we, we were actually in the models uh, for ian to come here and that would have been a challenging storm for sure. Absolutely. We're lucky that we haven't had to deal with that. But what's what what that means is that, you know, the beaches are as clean as they've ever been before. And the cruising event that we just had the opportunity to enjoy hit a record. Yep. Um, I mean, listen, when you for just for example, just just let's stick on cruising for a second. When you see the impact of that multi-stop and unique one of its kind uh, event in in the US when you watch it play out in a community like Pascrishan it's exciting isn't it well Ricky and I'll tell you this I was there the very first cruising when it started off in Bay St. Louis and I remember going with my family to Jones Park I don't even remember what year it was but it was a long time ago and you know, just watching the cars just kind of moving around. And it was, you know, very casual, but it has picked up. And Woody Bailey's done a great job of put it, keeping that uh, that mojo going together across the coast. And uh, Pastor Shan has really made a good, a good testament to being able to put a good product together, closing out the community. And they have the stage to where they can play music and have a good time on the weekend. You know what's interesting? I had Julian Rankin on recently from the Walter Anderson Museum. Sure, sure. He is a he is a star sure. uh, among the nonprofit community in coastal Mississippi, and the work that they're doing to help do community building outside of the, the museum is just incredible. But Julian's got a way with words. He's an author. He's a smart guy. He understands the role that art plays in the community to help you know make a better community. But the way he talked about the cruising event I thought was perfect because we were talking about, isn't it great to see the cars in downtown Ocean Springs, cool. for example, cool. in your case, downtown uh, Pasco Shan. But so in the people walking around in the cars and it's just the environment of all these shops and restaurants and all that. And he said it's sort of like a rendering, you know, like an arch architectural rendering where they're making this real this model and they're putting the little pieces, you know, the little people on the model and they're trying to set it up to be, you know, like sort of this cool, perfect setup. Sure. That's what we're observing in coastal Mississippi. I love the way he said that, but it's true, isn't it? Well, and the economic development has really been great for this. Uh, you know, I'm not speaking poorly of upper state communities, but 
the this has really become an event for our community and not only in our community but coastwide and uh and i really think the harrison county has done a fantastic job along with the the tourism board and things as such of being able to put that out there and including yourself rick you've done a fantastic job of being able to to get it out get the word out and it's it's fantastic. well it, cruising is now the number one has been it's been selected the number one cruising event by USA Today multiple years, and you know why. I mean, and one one thing I've maintained on this show is that in this moment with inflation and the high cost of travel, et cetera, that people who are involved in cruising events are going to still go to cruising events, but maybe last year or this year, may say maybe last year they went to two cruising events, and this year they can only go to one. Which are they going to choose? They're going to re, re, they're going to do the one that's kind of static, where they bring their car to a field and display it. Or are they yeah. going to come to a place like Coastal Mississippi that has a forty mile cruising territory sure. with all these special events that are happening, where you can actually cruise and, and down the beach? That's down that. the beach, one it's, of the most unique beach drives in the entire United States. You know, tree lined with with wild. You know, excuse me. Live oaks, just it's just incredible. Well, but but the showcasing that takes place in a show in a in a uh, with a with an event like that is, is truly remarkable. And look, here's the other thing: if you go, let's say when you're not in the cruising mode and you're just just enjoying your day out, when you go to a place like the harbor in Pascrish Jan on any given day. You, you may find lots of people just standing there looking, <laughs> looking at seagulls or looking at the shrimp boats, or maybe they're going to eat at Shaggy's, you know, and, and, maybe and they're I'm going not, to see these the Shaggy charter docks and, and take in, you know, the, the, the great fish that people are catching. But it's, well, it's unique, isn't it? Absolutely, sir. And, and I'm telling you this, I'm not here to promote businesses, you know, on your show, but I'm telling you. Everybody that ever goes down to Shaggy's or sea level at the sunset, it is magical. And that's why, you know, of me in my past history, which I've talked to you about, people ask me, well, why did you leave the corporate environment in Washington that you were? Because you can't get over those sunset views, those daily views of the beach level and the beauty that, uh, that, that, that is there. Yeah, actually, uh, speaking of Shaggy's, I had Rimmer Covington and Ronnie Daniel on recently and talked about their collaboration on the Shaggy Harbor Docks. But what a a cool thing, what a unique relationship and for for tourists to be able to come in and, and, and be able to go there and have their fish clean and go upstairs and have it cooked and all this great relationship. Uh, so many committed people. I mean, I, again, Rimmer and Ronnie's collaboration, how it came to fruition. But then there's so many other people that are dedicated to tourism and to making sure that we're putting the best foot forward in places like Pasco Shan that really make a difference. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Hunter Dawkins. He's the publisher and uh, the owner of the Gazebo Gazette. And he's also covering the Saints. We'll eventually get there as well. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm having uh, a conversation with my friend Hunter Dawkins, who is the publisher and owner of the Gazebo Gazette. And uh, we spent a whole show together talking about the history of the Gazebo Gazette and how it emerged as this incredibly important tool after Hurricane Katrina for residents of Past Christian and really beyond to really kind of know what's going on. And uh, and now it's just this wonderful publication that Hunter owns and has the opportunity to say grace over. You know, Hunter, when I was uh, the publisher of the Sun-Herald, I was always involved in the Mississippi Press Association because – you know, I felt like, first of all, I got a lot from learning about what publishers like you, who who run small publications, what you have to do. I mean, the buck stops with you. You have to you have to be willing and able to do it all. So, the people that I met at the Mississippi Press Association that own these small publications were some of the most dedicated publishers that I know. I mean, in fact, they could put into words the role that news and information plays in a community as good as anybody. And I learned a lot from them. And because I was part of this major corporation, I could also, I had the ability to tap into best practices across the nation and then could share them with them. So there was this great sharing of information that took place. Mississippi, actually, if you think about it, it's got a couple of large newspapers, but it's comprised of a lot of smaller mostly weekly, some bi-weekly newspapers that are that are owned by people who are just burning the midnight oil to make their contribution, and you, you among them. But um, that does kind of personify the media uh, landscape of Mississippi, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I have conversations with uh, with Stephanie Patton, who's the current MPA pre- president now and did with Jack Ryan in the past. And with, you know, every week I try to, to uh, reach out to Lane Bruce. He and I discuss a lot of different things going on as he's the executive director of MPA. And even so, um, I'm also a member of the National Newspaper Association with Lane, uh, Lynn Lance, who lives in Pensacola. She is the executive director of that. And she and I, I, I try to keep an open field because, as you know, uh, Mr. Matthews, I don't know everything about the newspaper industry and i want to be able to to gain some understanding of, of how things are going and uh i get a lot of good pointers and from you know my ap people uh with adam humans who's the uh, the regional director give me a lot of good insight about things going on and how to be a better a newspaper yeah naa is uh, the newspaper association of america we were very active in that as well um so really been an important uh, organization these days, given the stress on, on especially printed newspapers around this country. And I mean, the business model so much on just on community newspapers, and I yeah. I applaud them for that. Well, I think you know where the daily newspaper has struggled mightily. Um, and listen, I don't want to take any of the any of the sting away for for local newspapers, even community newspapers, because it's not easy. I mean, it's it's, it's sure. tough. But at least there's a business model there for you to survive. It, uh, uh, there's, you know, as we continue to see the digital tsunami sweeping over most media, newspapers, the daily newspaper is in serious trouble. There's just no question about that. And I think it's really, unfortunately, just a matter of time before you know it's all digital or maybe you know once or twice a week. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But they certainly don't have the resources they used to have. 
and uh, they don't. And, and some of the resources is the money to to offset the cost related to the high cost of printing. But I mean, you know, I mean, this is a this is a familiar story for you, even in the community newspaper business, isn't it? Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, it's I still have to uh, to go collect checks on my own. I, you know, I still have to go sit on invoices, uh, proofs of publication with legal notices. It's uh, but. In a way, that's a good thing because I can be able to re- react with the community. I get to know individuals all across the board. I get to know businesses and what they go through. And that that's a testament to me and the community for being able to support you know, uh, their local news. The reason why I think community newspapers have a go of it, even in the digital, uh, even with the digital tsunami, is the fact that that you're on the ground level, you're in touch with the community. And for people who are engaging in your product, when they pick it up and they read the stories that you have, they're deeply interested because they know that what they're reading about is connected to their community. I mean, there's just, and, and, and so people who read your product are highly engaged. I mean, see, in a, in a world where the attention span might be about 15 seconds, when people are engaged in a local community newspaper, the engagement is extraordinarily high. I mean, we're talking about the people are 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 combing through that product and they're spending time. Yeah. Whereas if they're on their iPhone, they're flipping through really quickly in the, in the world's you know in a very sort of set stage of attention deficit disorder. And for advertisers, that's important. For advertisers, it's really important for them to know that the level of engagement is high. And um, and as long as you have that engagement and stories that are relevant to them, that you're completing sort of the circle of life of a, of a newspaper, the needs to satisfy advertisers with eyeballs. Those eyeballs come because you're bringing news to the table, and it kind of works. And and I think it will continue to work for community newspapers if you work hard. Well, and with a connection to football, you know, Ricky, since this is something we're going to focus on this, you know, I kind of, I know you've heard about the offense where you use the pass to set up the run. Well, I've tried to use my digital format in the website, Facebook, Instagram with pictures and little brief stories to set up the print edition because I think that's the important in the community newspaper. Now, like I said, I don't really know what uh, what the dailies are going through but i try to use the digital format to set up the print so if people are willing to look at the the digital then they'll may, maybe have a, a uh, an interest in the print what they want what you want them to know and think is that in order to know what's happening in my community i have to engage with the gazebo gazette that's what you ultimately want them to do and you want to be there in whatever form they want to be want you to be in whether it's in print or digital or whatever it's important and um when you complete that and you stay focused on that, you can have success. You can really find success, and it's proven that that's the case. Hey, listen, in the past conversations we had, I literally had no idea that you were a three-sport athlete at St. Stanislaw, that you, you know, football, basketball, and golf. And then, I mean, the plethora of other things that you've done in the sports arena, I never knew anything about that. And, you know, life's a big sports analogy, to be be honest with you. You just used one just then. But, man, your background... It really positioned you well to be someone who, for example, the Saints or Pelicans or whatever you choose to, to cover, 
you've got a you've got a great foundation for for doing a good job covering that team, don't you? Well, and I really have to thank both the, the New Orleans Saints and the Pelicans communication staff. I've had a, a great relationship with those gentlemen, uh, with the Saints, Justin Massion and Davis Friend, the Pelicans, uh, Matt Ryan, Chris Trahant, and Henry uh, Valor. They're, those guys are, are fantastic, and pretty much anything that I I ask for, they have done a great job of providing that for me. And, uh, and you know, that's the same way, not only for me, they do that for other organizations, for ESPN, Sports Illustrated, The Atlantic, all those other ones. And they are very, very honest and very uh, forthright in moving forward with it. And I, I gratefully appreciate them. Well, before we get into some of your observations about the Saints, which I'm eager to talk about, you actually were uh, a coach. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I was a coach for about seven to eight years. And, uh, you know, things in my life, you know, kind of brought me out of the classroom, uh, personal things, and or else I would still be in the classroom. I loved coaching. It was one of the one of the highlights of my life and being able to to win the state championship as an offensive line coach and being able to uh, to be involved with kids in their lives. And a number of my kids play in Division one uh, college football it was outstanding. And I uh, I have the utmost uh, respect for coaches. And I think that comes out. A lot of times when I'm able to to speak with Coach Allen with the Saints or Coach Green, as I did just recently and with the Pelicans, there's a little bit of that understanding that I kind of know what I'm talking about. So, Well, look, you were an offensive line coach, and you pointed out that your your team won the state championship, but you also were a head basketball coach, and you also had yes, sir. had a golf team that, that went to the first regional in school history. So you you lettered in those three things, but you went on to actually coach in all three of those sports. And yeah. what a great background to have to be in the role that you're in today. Yes, sir. And I really think that that made it a lot easier for me to be able to cover, you know, like this last Saturday before I went up to USM, I went down to Fleetus Field and watched the Pascrishan Youth, the Recreational League, and I'm you know, taking pictures, talking to the individuals. And it helps not only engage in a conversation with the locals, I mean, it has gets them interested in my my work and they want to see what I have to say. And I certainly appreciate that. And I, I you know, it's, it's all about the community for me, as you know. So. This is Hunter Dawkins. He's the, the, the uh, owner and publisher of the Gazebo Gazette. And uh, what, a, I, again, I'm fascinated. He has such a great background in sports, which what a wonderful foundation to lay to cover sports, I guess, really across the spectrum, like you pointed out, collegiate level, high school level, of course, the Saints, Pelicans. When we come back, we'll get more specific about this strange season we're having with the Saints. We'll see you after this. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Hunter Dawkins. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the show, we spent a lot of time talking over the many shows that we've had together of, about his efforts 
what led him to purchase the Gazebo Gazette, the role that it plays in the community, how they're sort of making a go of it in a very difficult digital environment. And, uh, and again, we never really got into the fact that, that when he was in school, he lettered in three different sports and he went on to become a coach that had, you know, winning teams in three different sports and went on to cover sports. Um, I don't know how we missed all that background when we were talking about, you know, the other stuff that he was involved in. Obviously, extraordinarily well educated on top of that. But but uh, but I'm intrigued by it because um, as far as you know, Hunter, in terms of the local media, how many how many dedicated resources are currently focused on covering the Saints? Let's just talk about the Saints and specifically in in the local Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, I don't really believe that there is a news organization now. I take that back. Jeff Hager from XXV does a great job when he's able to. But, you know, like me, Jeff is covering three different different uh, areas of sports. And also Jeff's covering the whole you know, Gulf Coast and football and other sports versus me where I'm just staying, sticking west of 49. So. But you're committed to doing it weekly, right? Yes, sir. So yes. you follow the team. And as, as, as my listeners know from my conversations with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune, you got to be in there swinging weekly to, to do it because if Absolutely. you don't, then you won't be able to maintain those relationships. You won't be able to find out what's really going on behind the scenes. You won't be able to you know develop relationships with sources. Um, those things are all kind of important to helping you understand what's up with the team, isn't it? Sure. Aren't they? Even though the the schedule, their schedule works like this: Mondays are coaches' speaking days after practice. Tuesdays are, you know, generally a few different guys. Wednesdays are always the quarterback days, and then Thursdays walk through. And then you not until Sunday you really get in, and of course with the New Orleans traffic, I have to be there about three hours before the game. But hey, but then you know. Hey, well, I was going to say what's great about the team though, and you met you alluded to this in terms of their media relations team. This was true when we were over there as well. But I think the pandemic actually sharpened their ability to to use technology to yes. enable people like you to be able to still be very much involved in the media. Uh, availabilities they have, but they, you know, using technology to do that to save you from having to drive back and forth. You'd never be able to do that, but they've done a good job of adapting, haven't they? Of course, Justin has done a fantastic job of being able to to get that information to me, get the the notes, the historical background of the the opponents they're playing that week, of what their their team. Uh, things that are going on inside of the team schedule. And uh, and Davis has done a great job of being co- connecting to me with what's uh, what's happening with as far as credentials and things like that go. Well, see, okay, so Hunter, let's, let's talk about the Saints a bit. Um, and what's interesting is I have literally, I've not talked to you ahead of this. So I don't know what your current sure. thinking is as it relates to this. But in my last show with Jeff Duncan, I referred to this as being an odd season. He says it's an odd season, not just for the Saints, for the NFL, where you think about parity and all of that. You have a couple of dominant teams, but a lot of parity. For the Saints, you know, this is the first year uh, for our coach. Um, he's in some respects, he's got a, a new team that he's working with. Um, you know, we're obviously moving forward without Sean Payton. Uh, there was some question about quarterback, still big questions about quarterback. 
But, you know, we expected the team to, to overperform on the defensive side of the ball, maybe underperform on the offensive side of the ball. But, but unfortunately, injuries, I mean, really incredibly important injuries. Now, not season-ending injuries for the most part, but injuries that have really slowed some players down, Some many of our star players. I mean, decimated wide receivers, et cetera. We haven't been in a position where we've been able to really understand what do we have to work with here. How do you, you know, this at this point in the juncture, how do you talk about where the Saints are right now? Well, Ricky, I write a column every week in the newspaper. Um, usually I write the column on Wednesday, but of course, you know, the paper doesn't come out until Friday. But, and hopefully, almost. 90% of the subscribers get it on uh, Saturday before the game. But in the column, you know, I go over the positives, the negatives, the underrated, the overrated in the bottom line. And I'm a little bit from the coaching speak. Like, you know, uh, I try to focus on one game per time. Now, of course, like you said, the injuries and, um, and it's been a lot of other things, not only the injuries, but the turnovers and the penalties have been the really unweaving of the ability for the Saints to be able to take care of business. I kind of like to look at it like this. You know, our team is has been, like you said, decimated from certain scenarios. But then, if you remember, in the first game of the year against Atlanta, the last two series we look like we were unbelievably just stopping uh, out routes, drag routes, just corner guys, just catching the ball, moving the ball up and down the court. That's what I know that we can do because I watch them every week in the training camp and practice, and they're just bam, 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 bam. And the defense is unbelievable. Honestly, in my opinion, you know, and, and I know that that's not necessarily much. Except for I do have quite a friends, few friends that I went to college with that are NFL scouts and coaches and all the rest. But but that being said, that, you know, I have the honest belief that we have one of the best defenses in the NFL. But when you have to get all those things together, you got to put all the parts together. And it's just uh, it's a little bit hard, uh, you know, when you go game per game scenario. But. You know, that's uh, that that's something I like to focus on. Well, if you look at this last game, first of all, our three top receivers were out. Yeah. Any any one of them in this game, we might have been in a better position to win it. Okay, so that, that affected us in the red zone for sure. Sure. Secondly, Marshawn Lattimore was out. You know, sure. if Marshawn Lattimore was in this game, there's no doubt. Uh, Chase would have had a good game, but he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have had, you know, a game for the for the for the agents with against. So, sure. it, it makes it. You know, the thing is, we've been in most of the games. That's the bottom line. You know, there's only one or two where where you didn't think we were going to win it, but in most yeah. other cases, we no. we've been in the game, and that's with. I think the, in virtually, Ricky. I think in virtually every single game, um, except certain certain scenarios like after the Tampa Bay brawl that pretty much just took the focus off the team but we were ahead of Tampa until that period of time 
Also in Carolina, we had we had the ball going in direction until around the fourth quarter. Then uh, things went awry. Same thing in London. Or we should have won that game, but, but you know, just different circumstances in different scenarios. So it's kind of hard to put any blame on one person or one thing. Whenever you know, we could easily be five and one or six and zero, oh, and we end up two and four, and we're just kind of scratching our heads, what's going on. So. Yeah, you like you said, penalties, turnovers, injuries. I think that's essentially what we're dealing with here. And what you know, we said this before that the NFL again is a lot of parity. It's a parity. There, there's a lot. I mean, one or two plays, literally one or two plays, can be the difference in the ball game. That's just the that's just the way the NFL is today. Um, Jeff Jeff Duncan wrote a piece yesterday in the last couple of days about how. Uh, you know, Dalton's play wasn't great in this last game. I mean, it was you know we couldn't we couldn't score. We needed to be able to score. We couldn't score. He thinks that it made a case for getting Jameis Winston back into the fall. What's your thought about that? Well, my thought is I'm definitely in agreement with Jeff from a certain perspective. Andy's doing a he's doing what Andy has really been coached to do to not lose the game. Um, and I like to think that you know he's not exactly a quick mover. One of the one of the things that I made a reference to to uh, I sit in the press box. I sat last week next to Marco Garcia, who's the Spanish New Orleans Saints broadcaster who was inducted in the Hall of Fame last year. And Marco and I were talking about this the, on the last series we had the ball on offense. Instead of it was third and twelve, and instead of throwing 12 yards, we run a five-yard route and complete it. And I'm not saying that that's something that Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, is doing wrong or or the, you know, but Andy's not exactly given the benefit a lot of times to be able to provide that that ability and to make those, those right plays. I don't necessarily know, though, because I'm not in the inner workings of the Saints, so I don't necessarily know what is the breakdown of that. But I certainly agree with Jeff from the, the factor that that looks to be more like a Jameis situation to, to, to come into contact with. So I think you, I think you said it well, and this is Jeff says the same thing that this offense was going to be different. We're used to, you know, 300, 400 yards in a game. We're not going to see that with this offense that they're going to, they're going to play very much conservative offense. They're going to play, with run first, they're going to play not to make mistakes. And when when the going gets tough and there's a choice between the offense being on the field, the defense being on the field, the defense is going to win games. And they're going to and they're going to take sort of a defense first point of view. And I think that's maybe the reason behind that call. You know, just so we can go if we try to pass at 12 yards. You know, we we could get an interception. There's a lot sure. of things that could happen, and they're just there. playing with putting the defense on 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 the field. Now, look, under normal circumstances, with Marshawn Lattimore in there, you're not making you're gonna make some plays. There's no doubt about it. But you're not gonna make as many plays as they made. That's the bottom line. Why don't we do this? Uh, I think we're coming to the end of this segment together. Why don't we pick up right there when we come out on the other side? But this is Hunter Dawkins with the Gazebo Gazette. It's been a terrific conversation. I'm learning some things about him I didn't know. But the fact is, the reason he's on the show today is that he's been covering Saints and he's got insights about what's happening with the team. And it's just a weird season. It's fun to get a different perspective on it. When we come back, we'll have Hunter Dawkins with us. We'll see you after this. 
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Hunter Dawkins, and uh, he's the owner and publisher of the Gazebo Gazette, and he covers, uh, man, he covers everything. I mean, you got to cover everything when you're running That's a small true. community newspaper, but it is really, 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 really rare for someone who's in this position who has to do everything to keep that newspaper going and keep their digital site going. It is extraordinary to consider that he is also covering Saints and Pelicans and Southern Miss and high schools. My gosh, I don't know. I don't know how you do it, Hunter. I don't know. Where do you find the energy to do what you got to do? Well, and it's, you know, it's, it's great being able to go out to the community. Like I mentioned to you about the recreational field on Saturday morning and see those kids out there, because that's true football. That's kids that want to be out there. that want to be uh, expressing, you know, you got the cheerleaders, you got the, um, the, the players, you got the coaches. They really want to do the best they can for uh for this community and uh that's where it starts it makes a big difference okay so anyway we were talking about you know this sort of defense first conservative play and you were going to make a comment well and ricky i'll tell you this in the game against the Bengals, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize we rushed for over 200 yards in the game and we were unbelievably you know making the right decisions on offense Carmichael was calling the right plays. We just didn't happen to be able to get to seven, which was that's what hurt us. And uh, and then you know defensively, you know, with you mentioning about Lattimore not being there, I I had a discussion with uh, Tyron Matthew, otherwise known as Honey Badger. Honey Badger and I were talking about like, well, you know, what's the deal with the tackling? I mean, what, you know, because of course Jamar Chase broke the. Uh, however long the touchdown pass that Burrow threw to him. But then you have to look at it from another perspective. We didn't have – we haven't had that much pass rushing this year, even though we've had a good amount of sacks the last game. It's not when we needed to have happened. And uh, those breakdowns, uh, those kind of, you know, different discussions, That's that's got to be up in the, the guys' minds. And that's something that uh, I talked with Coach Allen about after every game, I say, where is where is the team? One of the questions that I asked in the press conference, what's the team chemistry having to use these different levels, bringing in players from the practice squad, uh, Raheem Shahid, who ran the reverse for a 30-yard touchdown. That, you know, but those guys having them on the field, how is the team chemistry? How's the camaraderie? What is... What is working to make those guys kind of fit in together? So, well, how does he answer that question? Well, he said, uh, and you can watch the press conference, obviously, you want, but uh, he said, you know, it's just something that we've been working on and we've gotten those guys accumulated because a lot of them are on the practice squad. They kind of know what our stepping guidelines are. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can, but of course we've got to get off the injury bug. So, Hey, listen, an area where we haven't had injuries though, to, to speak of 
you mentioned it just then, but the, the the clarion opportunity for the Saints this year was supposed to be the defensive line. We were supposed to win the games because of our defensive line and that this was going to be probably one of the most defining moments for a defensive lineman in Davenport. And that just hasn't materialized. That's one question, Ricky, that I did ask Cameron Jordan. I said, you know, What's what's the goal of the defensive line? Is it to shut down the run or to go after sacks and, and make and he said, Hunter, it's always gonna be for us run. And you gotta look at the figures. When I've looked at all six games that we've played, there hasn't been a team that's really except for one game, the first game uh, against Corderell Patterson, who had a breakout game in Mariota with Atlanta. They they've pretty much kept guys in under 100 yards. Yeah, but therein, what's your importance factor? That is it going to be rushing the passer, bringing blitzes on, or is it going to be allowing you know quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, like Tom Brady, sit back there and just pick it apart, which they have. It's hard to watch, man. It's hard to watch when you we expected that to be. The, the the game turners for us. You know what's interesting is in spite of the fact that they're four and two, as a as someone who gets an opportunity, I'm a big Saints fan to begin with, but who gets an opportunity to spend time with people like you and then Jeff Duncan and others. Um you know, I have some insights to the team. And I still think they could turn it around. I, th- I think the team – now, look, if you look at the statistics on two and four teams that went all the way, boy, the, the odds are against us. Odds are against you. But, but if you look at our division – Yeah, so say it against – I said, but then again, the NFL's a parody. You always end up with teams going farther than what should have been expected. For sure. And then, in our, as I was about to say, in our in our division, we have a real opportunity. And if we can just get some of these key players back – you know, like Michael Thomas, I had forgotten how good he was, man. At the beginning of this season, it was something to watch, wasn't it? It was amazing. I mean, he just runs two out routes for touchdowns and I mean, just wide open. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where where has he been for a while? But, you know, and then Jarvis Landry, who's always that big third down receptor, um, him and then having Deontay. You know, returning kicks to the level that he was at. And Olave, as I put every week under my underrated, Olave is the most underrated kid in the NFL. Wow, he is. And if he comes back from his injury, we we got some good things to look forward to from him. Anyway, we're out of time, Hunter. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Hey, you take care of yourself, Ricky. And anything I can do for you guys, y'all doing an eight great and outstanding job. I thank Kyle. I thank you. And, and y'all are definitely leaving a good legacy down here on the coast. Thank you. This has been Hunter, Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.